morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Tuesday, February 28th. It was on this date in 1983 that a TV show set a record by bringing the biggest TV audience of all time. Can you name that show? I'll have the answer coming up. But first, let's check in with the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center for your Tuesday forecast. And good Tuesday morning to you, meteorologist Joey Sofine here. Very mild for February, last day of February as you head out the door this morning. Few clouds out there, but lots of sunshine today. Puts us on pace, I think, for the low 80s with the sunny sky at noon. And we go up in the low to mid 80s for high temperatures near the record high today, which is 86 degrees. Tomorrow we'll see a high around 84. We'll be at 83 on Thursday and still in the 80s on Friday. Now, there will be a cold front late this week. Small chance of rain on Thursday. Slight chance of a shower thunderstorm very late Friday into Friday night. And we'll cool down a little bit for the weekend. Right now looks dry. Mid-70s Saturday, upper 60s on Sunday. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast. Powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. After more than a month of testimony, the defense has officially rested its case in the Alec Murdoch murder trial, and the entire case is coming to a close. Yeah, throughout the murder trial, Murdoch has admitted to stealing millions of dollars, lying to law enforcement, and a severe addiction to opioids, but denies he killed his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul, nearly two years ago. Nicholas Reagan is live from the Colleton County Courthouse this morning. So, Nick, what can we expect now that the defense has rested? Well, guys, first and foremost, we can expect that this trial is just going to continue to grow in interest in the public. Take a look behind me. You can see folks already lined up. They were here before I even got here. Now, as far as the trial goes, we can expect that the state is going to call a few more witnesses today and tomorrow to sort of rebuttal those claims from the defense, the defense using their expert witnesses to suggest that uh, Murdoch uh, could not possibly have been the shooter. Now, yesterday we started with the defense call forensic a forensic pathologist who testified that in his expert opinion the gun that killed Paul was directly pressed against his head disputing the expert testimony of the state's witness who says it was two to three feet away now the defense's blood spatter expert also promoted the idea that there were two shooters to me there's structurally difficult for the same shooter to have two long arms and no practical reason for that to happen add that to what I believe happened to the shooter who fired first with the shotgun, and I think it tips in favor of the probability of two shooters. Now, we've also heard yesterday from John Marvin Murdoch, one of Alex's brothers. He took the stand with an emotional testimony talking about the night of the murders and the crime scene. Told me it was okay to leave, okay to leave. What was left to fall, they would clean it up. the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. Now guys, John Marvin also weighed in on that comment that we heard early in the trial about whether or not Alec Murdoch said, I did him so bad or they did him so bad. John Marvin saying that uh, he heard Alec say uh, they did him so bad and he heard Murdoch say that multiple times thereafter and uh, the night of the murders. Now the defense also wants the jury to take a trip out to Moselle to see uh, where the crimes took place and get sort of a feel for uh, the layout and where everything is. The judge says that he will make that happen. However, the details of exactly how that trip 
it's going to work have not been released just yet, but we do know that when that does happen, it's going to be closed to the public and it's going to be closed to the media. But for now, the jury is set to get back into the courtroom at about 930 and we will be here to bring you all of the latest information throughout the day. Katie, Aisha, back to you guys. All right. Thank you, Nick. Well, make sure to stick with us throughout the day. Our team coverage will continue all day. We'll have Cruz and Waldboro to bring you the very latest. You can also find us online and streaming platforms, including Roku, Fire TV, and Apple TV. You can also get real-time updates on the Murdoch trial through our live blog at live5news.com. Just click on the banner at the top of the homepage for new information throughout the day, straight from Live 5's team of reporters and digital journalists. The state attorney general's office says two Charleston men were arrested in connection to child sex abuse material in two separate cases. 29-year-old Andrew Benson was arrested after investigators say they got a tip about child sex abuse material. Benson is charged with first-degree sexual exploitation of a minor and criminal solicitation of a minor. According to the attorney general's office, investigators found that Benson solicited a minor for sex and produced child sexual abuse material. Benson has been released on bond. Now, a second Charleston man was arrested after investigators received a different tip, a separate tip, about child abuse material. 56-year-old Alan Strauss is charged with 10 counts of third-degree sexual exploitation of a minor. According to jail records, his bond has been set at $250,000. The Charleston County School Board has approved a policy to allow prayer to open special and regular board meetings. That decision came yesterday evening. Meredith Blair was there when that decision was made and shares how it did not come without some concerns. Monday night's passing vote was a close one with five yays and four nays. I spoke with both sides of the board to find out why they were either for or against this prayer policy. Ed Kelly was for the vote, while Carol Temple was against it. Kelly argues the prayer isn't exclusive to one denomination, but Temple disagrees and feels the setting is inappropriate. Temple even shared her thoughts about it with the board prior to their official vote. Kelly says it's something the previous board practiced and is often used to recognize someone in the district who has passed. We're not invoking a particular religion. It's not, you know, in the name of God or Buddha or it's the, again, the state law requires very specific non-sectarian parameters around the invocation. And this is, it's very boilerplate, it's very standard. It's founded in, in the principles that I believe in. One is the separation of church and state. And... I felt that this policy was unnecessary because as individuals we can pray anywhere that we want to pray. Now Kelly, who was for the vote, did tell me he was a bit surprised by how close it turned out. In the newsroom, Meredith Blair, Live 5 News. Well, this Thursday marks the birthday of children's author Dr. Seuss. That day is also celebrated as Read Across America Day. For the annual event, Trident United Way is looking for volunteers to read to elementary students. Volunteers will visit classrooms and share their love of reading with a book or two to students and child development through third grade. Trident officials say 10 schools throughout the Tri-County. They are participating this year. If you're interested in volunteering, you can head to live5news.com. And uh, Katie and myself will also be volunteering and reading yes. to the kiddos as well. So excited. Yes. We'll get ready to lace up those sneakers to run for a reason this weekend. It's time for the 5K run and walk for literacy in Park Circle. The Liberty Hill After School Enrichment Program is sponsoring its annual fundraising race. 
The program tutors students from eight elementary and middle schools to make sure they are on target in math and reading by the time they reach high school. Well, you can register until race day or you can pay in advance. The 5K for Literacy is this Saturday, March the 4th. It's going to start at 9 in the morning at the Felix Pinckney Community Center. That's in North Charleston. There's going to be free food, live music, and vendors. Registration is $30 for adults and $15 for students 18 and younger. You'll find that link to register under the big red box on our website, live5news.com. A North Charleston Neighborhood Association has started an online petition calling for sidewalks and bike lanes along Meeting Street Road between Rivers and Dorchester Road. The concerns over the area stem from how the road has little to no shoulder room for pedestrians or bicyclists. Samantha Popovics joins us live from North Charleston. Samantha, tell us a little bit more about why some are worried about how a lack of sidewalks could interfere with access to the future Lowcountry Rapid Transit System. The Whipper Barony Neighborhood Association is urging their community to sign a petition for sidewalks and bike lanes to prevent any serious injuries from occurring. The Whipper Barony Neighborhood Association says as a concerned community, this two-mile stretch of road sees a lot of foot traffic and biking, keeping drivers on high alert during nighttime hours where it may be difficult to see pedestrians. They say they have seen potentially tragic commuting on this street, and they would like to see change and priorities made for improving this road. Whipper Barony Neighborhood Association President Kaylin Morrison says this signed petition will be presented to their council representative, Sam Hart. This idea has been previously presented at the association's monthly meetings with the mayor and council members. Morrison says she would ideally like to see sidewalks start where Meeting Street and Durant Avenue intersect with Rivers Road all the way down to Dorchester Road. She says seeing someone in a wheelchair riding in the middle of the road ignited her to voice her concerns for pedestrians. It started a couple years ago. I was driving on Meeting Street and saw a guy in a wheelchair there um, on Meeting Street, just in the middle of the road. Um, and that's kind of what brought my attention to the problem in the first place. The fact that uh, someone in a wheelchair didn't have a place to ride on the side of the road safely. The Lowcountry Rapid Transit Project plans to place a bus stop on Durant Avenue, but Morrison says she feels pedestrians would still walk down Meeting Street based on convenience to access the public transportation. Regional strategist for the Berkeley, Charleston and Dorchester Council of Governments, Daniel Brock, says Lowcountry Rapid Transit is now in its engineering phase for the project, which, which is set to be accessible in 2030. They're working on making sure these areas near public transportation are walkable. Additionally, there's going to be about 19 miles of sidewalk and mixed-use path uh, that comes along with Low Country Rapid Transit. The petition currently has 57 signatures out of their goal of 100 signatures. For more information on how to sign this petition, head to our website, live5news.com, and click on this web story. Reporting live in North Charleston, Samantha Popovics, Live 5 News. Thank you, Samantha. Well, the city of North Charleston is set to break ground on a new sports complex tomorrow. Yeah. Demolition began on the Danny Jones Athletic Complex near East Montague Avenue in December. Now, elected officials, they're going to kick off construction on that new facility. The $25 million project includes a pool, a gym, volleyball, basketball, badminton courts, five new tennis courts, and a roller rink. Lots of stuff. There will also be a multi-purpose field to meet the demand for youth athletics. 
Mayor Keith Summey and the North Charleston City Council will all be there for that groundbreaking. The State Department of Health and Environmental Control is doing tests on the public water supply. The agency is planning to release new requirements in order to reduce the acceptable level of certain harmful chemicals in the water over the next few years. The main focus is on chemical compounds called PFASs, which are man-made chemicals. If the chemicals seep into public drinking water and people ingest too much, there are some health risks linked to certain cancers and blood pressure issues. South Carolina is currently testing all 600 state water systems to detect any issues with these chemicals. As American Heart Month comes to an end, Roper St. Francis wants to remind the community that everyone has an opportunity to save a life by knowing hands-only CPR. On top of free CPR classes the hospital is offering, they also want to spread awareness about a unique way to stay on beat while performing CPR. Our Molly McBride joins us live now. And Molly, can you explain the details of this unique method for us? The American Heart Association's theme for this year's American Heart Month is Be the Beat. And Roper St. Francis has partnered with them to spread the word about this easy way to remember the correct CPR tempo. I spoke to Pam Allen, a clinical nurse educator for emergency nurse services at Roper St. Francis, who tells me songs like Stayin' Alive, Baby Shark, or I Will Survive are all the correct compression tempo, which is 120 to 100 beats per minute to ensure good circulation. Allen says when somebody experiences a cardiac event, there's still oxygen in the bloodstream, so it's important to circulate the blood that's there until medical services arrive. She says every year there are over 350,000 cardiac events that happen outside of the hospital, and knowing hands-only CPR can save a life. Think about it. It is a high-stress moment, and here you are with an individual you may or may not know, and so by singing that song to yourself or counting out loud and very loud so others can hear you and possibly come and assist is very important until medical services can arrive. Roper is offering hands-only CPR classes throughout the month of March. Those dates and times and locations are on your screen. Allen says the classes will demonstrate hands-only CPR and teach people how fast and how deep they should do compressions in the case of a cardiac event. She says she encourages at least every household to have at least one person that knows hands-only CPR. For that full list of classes, you can head over to live5news.com and click under this web story. Reporting live in downtown Charleston, Molly McBride, Live 5 News. All right. Thank you, Molly. Well, a Roper St. Francis employee is being thanked for her 50 years of devoted service and hard work for the hospital. Francis Dodd, a nursing assistant, works closely with patients every single day. Her co-workers say she is a confident and supportive person for the patients and employees alike, and she brings joy to the hospital every single day. She said she didn't want a big recognition, but said it was an emotional time when she walked into the decorated room yesterday. You see her there. She's so cute. Francis Scott, known uh, to friends. Scotty says she still looks forward to work every single day. Congrats to her. That's amazing. Well, money, mind, body, soul, and a whole lot more. One Women's Seminar will address all these aspects in a fun and interactive setting. 
The third annual Living Out Loud seminar will feature local professionals who deal in women's health and wellness. You can leave the heels at home, ladies, because this event will have you on your feet as you learn how to live your best life. There will be a Zumba class, a comedy show during lunch, and more. The Living Out Loud seminar is Saturday, March 11th, 9 to 4 at Trident Technical College. You can find the link to register on our website at life5news.com. Just look under that big red box. Well, this week, former Vice President Mike Pence is set to visit the Palmetto State, making several stops, including one right here in the Lowcountry. Thursday, the former Vice President will meet with North Charleston Police Chief Reggie Burgess and local law enforcement officials. He's set to participate in a law enforcement roundtable. One former mayor of Columbia will now serve at the White House. Steve Benjamin will step in as director of the White House Office of Public Engagement. Benjamin will oversee White House efforts to ensure community leaders, diverse perspectives, and new voices have the opportunity to inform the work of the president in an inclusive, transparent, and responsible way. Benjamin served three terms as mayor in the Midlands and was the first black mayor in Columbia's history. The appointment comes after the Democratic National Committee voted to hold its first presidential nominating contest of the next cycle here in South Carolina. At the top of the show, I told you that on this date in 1983, a TV show episode set a record for bringing in the biggest TV audience of all time to that date. The show was MASH, which told the story of a U.S. Mobile Army Surgical Hospital set in South Korea during the Korean War. The war officially lasted for just three years. The series lasted 11 years. It had an audience that night of almost 106 million viewers, setting a new record. It even beat the Dallas episode in which the world finally learned who shot J.R. Ewing. That final episode of MASH remains the most watched finale of any TV series to this date. Celebrating birthdays today, actress Bernadette Peters is 75, actress Ray Don Chong is 62, and country singer Jason Aldean is 46. Thanks for joining us for Morning Y'all from Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all, produced every weekday morning. You can listen and subscribe at live5news.com slash podcast. And download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.